All right, I just recorded a podcast with uh, my buddy Danny Ferris with Ultimate Predator Gear, and we wanted to kind of dub this on the front. We're going to do a, a partnership giveaway with uh, Kafaro International and Ultimate Predator Gear, and uh, I'm going to hand it over to Danny here, and he'll kind of explain to you how to enter. Um, this won't pop up, obviously, until next week when we get the podcast um, edited and everything else, but Danny, go ahead. How can they enter? Well, uh, just visit uh, us on social media ultimate predator gear on instagram or ultimate predator on facebook uh you're gonna find a video of uh of me taking this big buck that i shot this last month and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna give away my entire rig that i took this deer with so my hoyt carbon uh rx3 ultra uh all the accessories that were on the bow, my stalker decoy that I actually used to take the buck, and you were being generous enough to uh, to uh, throw something in there for us too. Which yeah. pack do you want to give uh, away with it? You know what? Whoever wins can choose, but it'll either be choose out of the three packs. You can get an Ontario, a Shape Charge, or a Door Gunner. Uh, you know, pick whatever one you want. Just call in an order. Um, and we'll share this on you know my page. We'll put it on Kafaru's page. And you, what you're going to have to do is tag three buddies, and you're going to have to answer a question that shows you watched the video, which it's worth watching. It's not like you're watching uh, science uh, in, in seventh grade or anything. Yeah. And, and, and watch that and then answer the question. That's how you'll be entered to win. We'll explain that, obviously, or Danny will on the you're giveaway. You're going to have to follow a few pages as well, and there's probably quite a few pages because the people that are part of this giveaway are all going to be on it. Yeah. But, man, it's a pretty good prize pack yeah you'll be hitting three or four thousand yeah. dollars by the time it's all said and done yeah. um so yeah just tune in and obviously you can watch my page ultimate predator gear kafaru's and whoever it'll be shared a million and a half times as well um to be entered to win and uh like he said it'll be bow sight rest quiver decoy backpack um everything that he used uh to well in all fairness, he didn't use a Kafaru pack, but he will now, damn it. Um, but I, didn't have a pack. <laughs> I, I didn't have a pack on right then on that stock. Yeah, no kidding. So, Well, cool. There you go. That's how you guys can enter. It's Friday mo morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. We've got a hell of a crew. we got the Alpha team in here today. Uh, we've got a longtime friend, Danny Ferris, who, uh, a man of many hats. You were a, a publisher uh outdoor writer tv show guy and uh now your newest venture you you own ultimate predator gear decoys yep and yep. uh pretty crazy um we'll go into that here more in a minute uh he's got his um son with him who you play linebacker 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 for yes, who? western state for western state um yeah. You did a good job because he plays football and he kills shit. And as I look at that, I look at my daughter who dates this skinny jean wearing little stick figure. <laughs> That's not funny. No, I'm just kidding. And we got uh, my partner in crime, Jake Downs, who's taking Frank's spot today since Frank hasn't come to work. <laughs> Jake and I are getting ready to go to Arizona, so he came over to get some gear together. So, are you guys coos deer hunting? I'm going to try and shoot a mule deer myself, but if a coos deer walks by, I'll certainly shoot it. And Jake suffers... If not as bad, possibly worse from the same thing I have. He'll black out and wake up. The quiver's empty. Doesn't know what happens. There's blood trails crossing blood trails. Jake has that same problem I have. <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you. So you. Um. Well, you've been on the podcast before, but you've been in the industry. In fact, we we won't go into the recent thing where you called me about a certain individual. I don't think people realize how long you've been in the industry and what exactly you've you've done um because as social media has grown kind of the whatever the the bane of our existence that too but it <laughs> if 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 it's how people identify each other now yeah you got on social media late where you were in the midst in the middle and the thick of things of what social media used to be meaning print right yeah. tv oh yeah um how long were you with bohan uh, I started with Bowhunter, I think, in 2006, and uh, um, I, I'm still working with Bowhunter. I'm just not full-time over there anymore, uh, not titled over there, but um, I, I write for Bowhunter, uh, still hunt on their show. I'm, I'm going to be a Bowhunter guy till I die. Gotcha. Yeah, I was going to say, and you were a big part of the TV show as well, right? Well, I don't know. 
uh, you know, they, they got hard up for material every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. So what happened with that? So just so everybody knows, the um, I, I've tagged and posted several times uh, a decoy with a hole in the middle that you can attach to your riser. I've had a lot of questions about Stalker it. Stalker decoys. Uh, Danny uh, have, has bought that company. And so what how, how did all how that, did happen? that happen? Be, well, you, I knew you were a fan long ago because yeah. you and I had talked. But, I mean, was that something you were like? Well, it's only been around for three years. So, yeah, well, this is the fourth, fourth season. season. Yeah, 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 this is the fourth season. So uh, I was, you know, I've been a decoy junkie for a long time. You know, I, I just fooling the animal, bringing them to you, especially when you've got them challenging you and, you know, you have deer pinning their ears back and blowing themselves up like gorillas. Um, that's just the coolest way to hunt them to me. You know, I, I love it. And going back, shoot, at least 10 years, I was making these stalker decoys out of some other decoys where I was literally cutting holes in them and and doing the exact same thing so when these guys introduced the stalker decoy ultimate predator introduced the stalker decoy i looked at it and i was like oh man that is that's exactly what i've been doing that's exactly what i've been looking for so the the first time well i i got a couple from them and took a night took a took a bull at 11 yards killed a turkey at like 10 yards uh, had some cool things happen with the mule deer and everything, but when I started messing around with the whitetail, and I, it just blew my mind. Um, and I saw a setup because I remember we were talking on the the phone. And I can't remember what about, and I don't know if I saw it on a TV show or an ad or something. You had killed a donkey of a whitetail, and I remember the setup because it looked like you were in like some kind of a bottom and a flat, and you had a a couple decoy sets, you got it all on film. Yeah. And I remember you were tweaked out on Mountain Dew over that. You were like, <laughs> dude, you got to hear this story telling me about it. And that yeah. was a couple, that was two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I think that you're talking about the, the I kind of, my epiphany hunt is what I call it, is uh, I was in, I was in Kansas and we were hunting these wide open deer out there in wide open country and hunting walk-ins and 10 years ago when i first started hunting walk-ins man i had them all you know all to myself it really i very rarely felt any pressure from any other hunters and over the years it's just gotten to the point where if you go in there and you're fine you're trying to find a, a place to hunt whitetails and there's any trees on that walk-in you're going to have a truck or two parked there you know and so I got to the point where I just started looking at more of this open country stuff to where, you know, they were just brushy bottoms. If there was a place that looked like I might want to run a, a pheasant dog through it, then I was going to go hit it. And in 2015, I was spotting and stalking, and I, I found this giant whitetail, and I ended up, I ended up losing him. And, you know, I'd, I'd had some good success spotting and stalking whitetails, but they're just so doggone twitchy man and when it went bad on that deer because that was the biggest whitetail i've ever had an opportunity at he was he was huge and he was big enough to where when we couldn't find him i went and found somebody with an airplane and we flew the whole thing trying to find this deer so how big do you think he was oh dude he was he was he was so pushing like, like internet 180 man that, that's me, 165 in real life. Me and Matt Palmquist <laughs> really slowed the video down and, and studied him. And both of us thought that he was pushing 200 gross. Typical. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, he was he was huge. He was a big deer. Um, but anyhow, you know, that one broke my heart. And I just started thinking, man, I need to find a better way to do this. I need either something to take their attention off of me or draw them to me out in that stuff. So I started using a 3D buck decoy, and I took that stalker doe, and I put it on my bow, and I just put that, that 3D buck out in a position where any, of the, any, any bucks that might be cruising this thick cover in the bottom would see them. And I was hoping that when they were approaching, when they'd see me sitting in the grass over there 15 yards away from it or something, they see that stalker doe, and they're going to write me off as a bedded doe, and that this buck 
has pinned this dough down out in this cover or whatever. And dude, that is exactly what happens. And like they will come in, ears pinned back. Um, they, they see you sitting over there and they write you off and just ignore you after that. The next thing you know, they're, you know, they're stomping in here. And if that little doe over here in the corner there, I think their mentality is kind of like, I've got to deal with him and then I'll deal with her. You know what I mean? So I got to get him out of here or intimidate him or do whatever. And then once I have him gone, I'll go over and pay attention to her. If, if she moves a little bit over there, they don't even notice it because they're kind of like a boxer in a ring. They're paying attention to this guy that can hurt them. Um, and so anyway, I took that first buck there in Kansas at like 12, 13 yards. And right after I did it, um, I, w- I walked down to get my arrow and I come back over right in front of the camera, the cameraman. And I was like, you know, check this. Uh, I was talking about the arrow and he says, dude, there's another buck right behind you. And I look over my shoulder and here's another nice buck that's like 75 yards off and he's just staring at me. And he watches me get up and step over the little cedars that we had cut out right there, sit down in my turkey chair that I was sitting in and lift the decoy up in front of me. And dude, I I thought there's no way, there's no (laughs) way that this buck is going to, he's going to, he's going to run. Well, he ends up standing there for about five minutes and I start flicking the ear at him and moving the decoy just a little bit, just giving him a little bit of movement, trying to sell him. Dude, he comes in, he ends up at four yards from us. And I was like, that is, that's like magic, man. (laughs) It's like magic. And since then I've kind of repeated it, you know, uh, in several different areas across the Midwest where it's just, you know, in Illinois this year, Every single buck that saw our setup ended up coming in and offering a shot. Every one of them. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, I had, um, because I I used a goat decoy on my Colorado goat. Well, Frank did. I was in the cliffs trying not to die. But um, I think, you know, the questions I got, which were, I was trying to, um, you know, relate to what's happened to us, to the questions that, so Frank popped over the top on like a 175 buck in Alberta. Yeah. Now, Frank did have a black beanie hat on, which... You don't want to do that on Alberta Buck, but <laughs> if he would add that decoy on, it was only eight yards. Yeah. It gives you that extra one to two to three seconds at the least. Well, the funny thing is, I mean, it, it. I don't even think it would matter if you were actually another deer. When you surprise a deer that close, yeah, they're going to run off a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the, a matter, though, how far. And that's they, right. <laughs> the difference is, is if, if, if Aaron pops up over the over the ridge at eight yards that deer might not stop for a mile yeah, you know what i mean yeah he didn't stop for a mile yeah yeah <laughs> so you know with the decoy it might run off 15 yards and it's going to stop and say who the heck is that that just snuck up on me like that and turn around and look at you know and, and another deer in the case of like high country mule deer because i last year didn't have the, you know this decoy and you know you if you're addicted to hunting you're assessing situations constantly when you can't kill something you're thinking of how to do it yeah right, or more effectively and would it have worked in every situation no but the ones that would have worked it would have been instrumental in getting an animal or an arrow through an animal oh um, yeah because generally what what i've seen and, and jake hunts the same way that i hunt is a lot of times you might be going in and once you get you know with the stick especially once you get sub 40 things get a little squirrely right yeah. and then you get sub 30 and the pucker factor is a little tighter and you get sub 20 you need all the help you can get and what that help might be is if you break a branch and it pops its head up rather than it looking up and blowing out it may look up and stand up and try and figure out okay why is this deer looking at me especially a high country unpressured buck they're not overly bright initially. You shoot at them a little bit, they get real damn smart. Yeah. But it might give you that two to three seconds or even may potentially get to where they look, calm down, and then turn broadside to walk off or bed back down. And in the case with goats, goats are dumber than shit. What it'll right. help you with a goat is an impossible stock. You can just get behind it. Yeah. Um, those guys in Alaska were telling me they have your decoys and then suits. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I did did he have one when you were up there? Yeah, the decoy. Yeah, and because I, I brought mine and he had one, and I was making jokes about we can make it look like they're making love back here. It'll bring them right <laughs> in. But we, you know, it, with the goats, it, it may help you just with an impossible stock. Yeah. Because 
They don't know people. They don't know danger from above. So it may be something you just pop it up in front of you, move a few feet, stop, move a few feet. Because the goat gives you a lot of cover. It's, oh, yeah. It's a good-sized decoy. I mean, you can get behind it. Um, you know, in the case of Colorado, when I was in the cliffs, I gave it to Frank, and I said, dude, just – Pop that thing up. Try to get this thing. Well, I think the decoy made it more comfortable. It's because he was like, <laughs> it did its job. And yeah. finally, Frank had to throw a rock at it so that it, it helped because the, the goat didn't really know what was going on. But Frank popped the decoy up and it just kind of looked up and was like, oh, it's a goat. So then Frank, he started to, you know, pop his head out to the right. And then it started to like, wait, that's not right. <laughs> but it, 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 it literally, it, it worked well enough to where once Frank got over there, it gave the it got Frank to a position where he could, as weird as it sounds, throw rocks at it to get it up to where, you know, in reverse, what if Frank just walked over there and exposed himself? Oh yeah, might have blown out. So it gives you that extra, you know, time that you might need. And I know you were worried about. You talked about, you know, wind, right? Well, oh, it yeah. was windy when I shot my goat, but I didn't need it hooked to the bow. You know, the other thing, talking with guys that that run the decoy, another thing they'll do. They'll just hang it on a branch if they're cold calling for elk. Like sure. if that, you know, they may not have it on their bow. It might be because of a wind dictates that they don't want it on them. They want it thirty yards to the right of them to maybe drift it over. And since it's so small and it has that hole, you can actually just hang it on a branch super easy. And they're talking about the wind. The wind actually helps because it gives it a little bit of movement. And I do you agree with those things? Well, I yeah I do. And the I mean, this is the first one. Um, now there's another one out there, but it's one of the first ones that you actually attach to the bow. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, you and I have been chasing antelope with decoys for a very long time and you're, you're, you're stalking them out there. And, and we always had the same issue. Like when you got to the point where you needed to shoot, you needed to try and push the stakes into the ground yeah. or something like that. And you can't, you, you absolutely can't do it. So having it on the bow helps, but the the only problem that creates is when you do have heavier wind then it makes it hard to steady the bow you know if it's if it's blowing too hard there's ways to deal with it though like yeah. on the attachment system a lot of people want to lock that thing down to the bow you don't want it to be completely locked down to the bow because now if you catch a gust of wind rather than the decoy giving a little bit and maybe pivoting a, a, a little on the bow it's locked so tight that the bow starts to try and move around on you. Now, you know, in in a situation where the wind is so heavy that it's just, man, you can't use it on the bow at all. I'll make a little handle out of the straps that come with the decoy. I used it almost like a shield the way yes. that I did mine. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> my, my left hand, uh, my grip hand, I'm gripping the bow and then I take that little handle and just run it right there on the front of the riser and just hold it to the bow like that. And when it's time to shoot, if I, you know, if I, if the wind is that troublesome, then I'll just open my hand, let the decoy fall off, and draw the bow and and shoot. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, I haven't even run into a situation where it was that much of an issue. I well, Alberta this year. 80 on a hundred mile an hour wind. See, that'd be an issue. That'd be the only but that's, one. That's an issue whether you've got the decoy on or I not. Had, I had a 180 inch deer 25 yards from me. Nathan French was like, why didn't you shoot? I'm like, did you get out of the truck? Yeah. I'm like, there was a reason the deer looked at me, saw me and didn't run away. Yeah. He was afraid of the wind too. Cause it was just that bad. Right. Yeah. But yeah. you know, guys were asking me about, about winds. And I said, man, the thing is that it's so compact and small I can strap it on my pack, and if I get to a position where I'm like, ah, I might be good, I might be bad, and I talked about holding it with the hand, I'll have it with me at the very least right? because I can strap to the bow if I need to. If not, I can have it in my hand. And, and overall, if you got a buddy, it's not a horrible idea for him to come up there holding it with you, oh, yeah. and then you pop up behind it. So, you know, yeah. the, the compactness of it is nice. The other thing, you can glass through it, and that's a big one, um, oh, yeah. you know, glassing through it. And uh, people, you know— does it matter? Sometimes it doesn't, but if you get up close, let's say, um, you know, where you really need to take a look at something, especially antelope, and you're trying to judge them, it's a big difference on antelope being able to look through that rather than exposing yourself. Because antelope, you know, they may have to hang out there at 100 yards for a while, but they don't hang out there forever. Eventually, they're going to bolt, and it'll give you some extra time as far as that goes, too, you know, yeah. judging them or whatever, um, you know, look through. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, what's funny is is – 
you were talking about peeking around the side of the decoy, and I remember the first few times that I used it, I felt like I needed to be frozen. You know what I mean? Like I, I just need to freeze. This animal's looking right at me. It's close. And, you know, I was trying to find ways to range through the center of the decoy and things like that. But what I've found is actually, if you, as long as you're not com completely sticking your head way out to the side or something like that, I peek around the thing all the time to range or to glass at them and things like that. And they're, they're expecting a certain amount of movement. So it doesn't freak them out like you think it's going to. I, you know, this, this buck that I just killed this year, um, the muley just, you know, a month ago, um, you know, I, I ranged right around him and you can see on the video, uh, of that buck that, you know, I've got an action cam on my head. So you can see me peeking around at the buck several different times. And usually that was because I was ranging him. What that, can we talk about that video? Cause I know, I think I'm going to put a, if I, if you want me to, I want to put a link when we release this podcast on that video of that buck. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was really cool. Well, Lane here, um, you know, came home for fall break and just a week before he killed a stomper. I mean, 190 inch, big, heavy, beautiful buck. Um, and he went back to school and now it was just me and I didn't have anybody to video me or anything like that. So I was wearing an action cam on my head if I was going to go after one. Well, we found this buck while Lane was there that was a really tight framed and I, I man, I misjudged him big time. Like I knew he was a, a good buck and I'd, I'd take him if I had a chance. You, you just brought him in the office and I very rarely underjudge and, uh, it's a deceiving buck, man. Yes, it's he cool is. Looking. He's almost yeah. touching in the front, which is crazy on his main beams. He's he's so narrow and tall and and deep forked. It's really strange. But anyway, I'd found this buck and I'd watched him a couple different times, and he either hadn't been on the property where where we could get after him, or uh, you know he was just in a spot where you really couldn't do anything with him, and there was just too many does around. But uh, that particular day, he bedded down in a spot where uh, where I knew I was going to be able to approach him. The wind was going to be right for me to be able to approach, because that's one thing with that decoy man is you might you might be able to fool their eyes, but if that wind's bad, it's just you're you can't do anything. Yeah. So when I when I came in on that buck, I come up over a little a little rip uh, a little lip. And when he had bedded down, he was facing directly away from where I was going to be approaching him. And as I came up over that thing, I, you know, I'm just trying to barely poke my head over it and, and, and see where he's at. And I've got the decoy in front of me at the same time, but I'm looking at the side of it. And I immediately see he shifted while I was making the stock. He, he moved about 10 yards over to the right. And now he is not facing directly away from me. And I mean, as soon as I see him, he's already got me. And he's 60 yards off and he's looking, he's just staring right at me. And right then, you know, uh, any other time, that hunt's over yeah. right then. Yeah. You know, that deer is not going to tolerate you coming over that hill at him. But he looked up and he saw a buck, yeah. you know. He looked up and he saw a buck and, you know, the the rest of the video, you, you'll see what all happens right there on the video. But uh, I end up drawing on that buck while he's out there, you know, quite a ways away. And I was literally, I had the pin on him. I had my finger on the trigger on the release. And I was just about to squeeze it. And I just started thinking to myself, dang that's a poke you know maybe you don't have to do that you know yeah. let's i i, I kind of looked at him for a minute and he's still just standing there staring at me and i was like man he's not going anywhere let's just see what he does so i end up letting the bow down real slow and he stood there for maybe another 10 seconds and then he starts coming he pins his ear, ears back and starts coming toward me so it was like freaking textbook decoying man i it was awesome and then you know the second time that i draw and i actually shoot him once again he's he, you know i drew on him twice with him looking directly at me you know what i mean so yeah, it was just it was an awesome hunt yeah how many i mean i pay attention on your your social media um how many success stories are you getting because you're definitely posting up a lot of 
photos, is there any one of them that's jumped out where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe that, as far as stories go? Dude, I, there's a lot of them where I can't believe what somebody, you know, where where a guy didn't have uh, uh, a moose decoy, so he decides to use a deer decoy, you know what I mean? Or uh, he has an elk decoy, and he decides, you know, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and close the the gap on this antelope with an elk decoy or something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I can tell you that we've got pushing fifteen hundred success photos. Yeah, that's good. And this is going into the fourth season. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. I, I mean, mean, that's 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 unprecedented. Oh yeah. Well, and I what I explained to. To, to to people and I mean this isn't a sales pitch. Well, I mean, go, definitely go out and whether you need one or not, buy one and help Danny. But it, truly, you're going to need one eventually. Even like guys, there were some guys doing tree stand whitetail hunting, and they're like, ah, I don't want to use it in the tree stand. And I'm like, All right, how many times have you driven to the tree stand in your life and you saw a buck bedded that you're like, Man, I should have went after and you tried and something happened. I was like, Even those for those scenarios and that happens in oklahoma kansas and nebraska yeah. a lot where they bed in these coolies keep it in your truck and throw it on your bow i mean if you're a diehard tree stand hunter and you don't want to have one on your bow there's always going to be times where you may use one and i mean the other thing too is uh one of the spots um in in texas in that hole where they didn't they didn't put up a blind they just uh had a spot down in a hole and i sat there that one day for Hey, it sucked. I sat there all day. I didn't see shit. But I saw bucks <laughs> at a distance, but I sat there again later, and, you know, I'm just hiding behind tumbleweed, basically. I got plenty of cover, but the the, the biggest thing was is there was other places I could have hid, but the moment I exposed myself, I didn't have as much cover. I didn't have the decoy the first time. The second time I did, now, the bucks that came in, I didn't end up wanting to shoot, but it literally, when I popped up, they definitely were alert initially, but they didn't run away. And yeah. that's saying something for especially Texas deer because they just were trying to figure out what the hell was going on. A human, like a fat-headed Snyder pops up. They're getting out of there. <laughs> but I, I, I slowly raised it up so I could look through the hole. Yeah. And you could see it immediate. their immediate response was they muscled up, and then they calmed down. They were just trying to look and kind of going back and forth. And uh, out of the four bucks that came in the one time, one slowly walked off. The other three started feeding. Again, yeah. I didn't want to shoot any of those, but it worked. And I didn't have any wind and, and, and popping up. Obviously, that's not the most, you know, you want to be try to be in a blind. But if you've got a setup like I did, that decoy comes in super handy for that. Well, it, like the, you mentioned the tree stand hunters, it's it's getting the white-tailed guys out, you know, beyond Kansas and further east. Um it's it's hard for them to understand sometimes how useful this thing can be to them. I mean, every single whitetail hunter out there has been in the position where they're sitting there in their stand and they see a buck chasing a hot doe and he ends up pinning her down out there in front of him somewhere. And inevitably, what what you end up doing is you you grunt. You call at him, you pull every trick in the book trying to get that buck's attention, and he ignores you because he's got this hot dough in front of him. So what do you end up resorting to? You end up resorting to sitting there and praying that that dough gets up and comes your direction. Well, 90% of the time, 99% of the time, she doesn't. She goes another direction. And unless that's your home turf that you're hunting you know, for the entire season, a lot of the times that's the last time you see that buck as well. Yeah, And what guys don't realize is if, if you can get out of the stand, that's the big if, is if you can get out of your stand without being spotted, depending upon how far they are from you, what kind of cover they bedded in, things like that. If you can get down with that buck with and, and get that decoy out of your pack, put it on the bow, you have a very legit chance of taking that buck right yeah, then. Definitely he in the rut. Is, he, yeah, that, he, he is as vulnerable as as he ever will be right then in that position you know in that situation so you know is it worth it to have that little eight inch frisbee side side or i'm sorry uh eight ounce frisbee size thing in your pack I, to me it absolutely is you know well, it's funny because i so i can't my bow which you were worried about mm -hmm. but the way that you have the velcro set up um it actually gives me more window space <laughs> so oh, i have yeah? the top 
Yeah, if you can imagine, I have the top slid all the way over to one side and the bottom slid all the way over to the other. Yeah. And I, I did some videos. I wanted to post this podcast up and of me shooting um, like off the porch, just shit around the house that's realistic to, yeah. to hunting. So it, it's funny, my, my poor wife is down below uh, assuming the deer position um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm popping over. And you're drawing on your one. And uh, well, with the decoy so she can kind of see and I'm shooting um, um yeah, see how our house is built, but you have that kind of terrace spot, and my de- I got one of my, my deer over there. You know, when you see that decoy pop up in comparison to, you know, a fat human, it's a significant difference because that you're not exposed at any time, even right. with me, because my, my bow is canted, but the, the decoy is still vertical. And that was a question guys had, and I'm like, no, I, I get it vertical because I, I you can angle it because those strips go all the way across. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it works well, and then you know, just shooting longer, you know, distances with it, or or kind of like simulating, it it works super well. And the other thing too is is like just having it, especially to to me for elk, um, yeah, just having it because how many times solo, you know, where I, oh. I've had to take shots, you know, especially frontal shots, or they're they're not stupid, they come in and they're going to wind you. Um, you know, so they circle around downwind. If you can get that decoy in a position to at least stop them where you can get a shot or maybe alter their position, just by hanging it is enough. Yeah, well, I've, I've told people I I think that this thing is the – it's it's such a game changer when it comes to elk hunting and especially when you're elk hunting by yourself and you're the one calling and you know how it is. These elk, <clears throat> they are – they are masters at pinpointing exactly where that sound is coming from. So nine times out of ten, when you're calling by yourself, that bull is coming directly to you, you know. And it's it's amazing that they find that one because I can I can hear a, a bugle through the woods, and sometimes I'm off by two ridges from where that thing came from, you know. They know exactly where it's coming from, and when they come in there on you the hardest thing to do is to get drawn because they well, you were talking about hanging a decoy in a tree before well the problem with that is is that elk are are masters at picking up the slightest little movement like if you turn your head just a little bit or anything they will nail you but if you are completely still perfectly still i don't care if you're out there in blue jeans and a plaid shirt if you don't move a muscle they won't see you they walk right up. How many have have you had elk come right up on top of you when you're not moving? Oh, yeah, 100. <laughs> yeah. So the same goes for if you've got a decoy over here hanging in a tree. It might look obvious to us. Man, he's got to see that thing. If that decoy doesn't move, he will not see it. He yeah. won't see it. So when they're coming in, they're on red alert. They're looking for any movement. And the hardest part about it is trying to get drawn back without getting busted because he knows that sound came from right there. He knows that he should be seeing an elk right in there. And as soon as you typically go to draw, bam, they got you and gone, you know? And it's happened to anyone, any solo hunter that's been doing that for elk that doesn't have somebody back behind him calling, keeping the attention off of them. Well, with this thing on, when they come in and they'll be right in front of you, you know, 10 yards away, getting, getting ready to walk past you, I've drawn right in their face like that, and nine times out of ten, what they do is just freeze. They they kind of flinch, like, oh, my goodness, and then they relax. They just look up at you, and they, they see a cow, and they have stood there and eaten the arrow. Um, now, I've I've messed up on, on one or two of them, too, to where uh, you panic when they don't react exactly like you're thinking they're going to, like they whirl or something like that. Yeah. And it's almost like you forget you have this decoy on your bow. You know, 30-some-odd years of bow hunting has told you that when this happens, you have very little time to make something happen. Otherwise, that bull's gone. If you just relax and let him respond to the decoy, even if he runs off five yards or ten yards or something like that, usually he will stop and look because he's like, where did that cow come from? She's right there. Oh, yeah. And looking, I'm on your site now. So you have coyotes, pigs, mountain goat, a cow, which that's pretty smart when it comes to uh, a moo cow for for, uh, antelope, and then a couple different types of turkeys. And then you've got a couple different types of whitetails, moose, antelope, 
mule deer, um, cow, elk. Oh shit! You got a bighorn sheep. Got a bighorn sheep. That's man. pretty good. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, I draw next year. Yeah, so you got a pile of different stuff. The cow, the cow elk butt, which a lot of times I don't. There's a the, up for debate, and you have a bunch of different, obviously, attachment mechanisms. Um, the cow butt or the head. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the butt myself. As bad as that sounds, I've had better luck with using the butt than the head. I don't know that it matters that much, but. Um, Anything that makes it not look like a human outline is the most important thing. And I try to, you know, you know, go through all the different. Th- it's different now with the stick. You, yeah. The decoy is a, hu- a lot bigger deal for me now. Yeah. Than, than it probably would have been thinking about it 20 years ago as I'm dropping 80 yard bombs at elk where, you know, that time when you draw, sometimes they'll run out to 40 and stop or 50, which is still somewhat feasible depending upon the timber to get a shot off. The decoy more assures that they may only go 20 yards out, right, if they're super close or they may not go out at all. Yeah. And that's huge with the stick because if you're calling and they're, they're usually coming in straight, when you're, which is, you know, not the most opportune shot, for, especially for a stick bow, that like you talked about, when you draw, they may just turn broadside or walk right by you because they're just not seeing a, a human. And, that, you know, having people think about that and, and, again, like the questions I get, I'm like, all right, well, kind of think back in time. How many times has this situation happened? And yeah. guy will message me back, and he's like, you know, come to think about it, a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I know. Believe me, I hunt solo for elk. And so I've probably taken, you know, with the compound 20 bulls with on frontal shots. Mm-hmm. Um, well, bulls and cows, you know, in that sub 20-yard range. And the thing that would have been nice is I've taken probably just as many bulls and cows that were ran out broadside and, stopped and then i probably had quadruple that just run away yeah that decoy kind of solves all of those problems yeah um, you know what i mean it kind of assures you can get the full draw and that, yeah jake when you bought yours because you bought it before danny got the company right yeah mm-hmm. how long ago did you get i think two years ago it was pretty new when i when i first got it was right. it elk or no an antelope yeah an antelope decoy. yeah yeah and i was thinking about like when you were talking about whitetail guys I actually have thought about getting one for whitetail hunting because, and not for spot and stock. Actually, sometime with the antelope decoy, what I'll do is if I got to get across an area yeah. and the antelope are out in the open, yep. I'll use it. Yeah. They don't pay attention. So like a whitetail guy, you could, if if you get your stand late and there's yes. deer in the field, yep. what are you going to well, do? That's the, that, the, it's funny that you bring that up because there's a lot of guys that are using it just to access their stand. Yeah. You know, if they're going in after daylight, I mean, how many times have you been walking through the woods with a stand and, and bam, you bump a deer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, one of my best whitetail bucks that I've taken here in Colorado, uh, I took him on the way to the stand, you know, um, and that having that decoy on the bow it, it gives you a chance at you know a, a, if if a buck stands up and you weren't expecting it maybe he stands there and and gives yep. you time to shoot him um then when they get to the stand they're either folding it up and putting it in their pack or there's some guys that are just strapping it to a tree there there, there was a uh a buddy of mine who uh uh, Doyle Warbington and J&D Outfitters, he's got a place out in Kansas, and one of his clients this year did that, was using it to access the stand. And when they got to their stand, they strapped it to a tree, and then he got up in the stand, and, he, man, he took a tremendous 200-inch deer. Uh, to, I, I, he's 220 inches or something like that. He's a monster. Um, and he came running down this trail chasing a doe and the doe got right up to the decoy hanging in in the tree and she stopped and she kind of veered off and the buck stood there and looked at the decoy and bristled and he shot him at you know 16 yards it was it was it was 220 yeah he's big he's a big deer wow yeah i just i know for me like in in my my noggin you know i alberta and eastern colorado because i my buddy's an outfitter and he uses it a bunch but in in alberta generally you know depending upon what area you're at where we're at we do what's called coolie jumping yeah and you you just take a step glass and i was it dwight shoe or larry d jones did that open country mule deer video a long long time ago and one of the things they talk about is 
the terrace thing, you know, take a step, glass, and you're looking for the top of their tines. Yep. No matter how good you are, you're going to miss something. Mm -hmm. So if you have it on the front of your bow (laughs) and you take that step and you're glassing through the opening, it is multiplying exponentially the chances of the deer not running away as you're poking your fat head up. Um, Because, you know, I I actually, I don't know, like I use a a mono pod and I have 15s on them. Yep. Um, You know, because when you're glassing farther away, those deer, they get gun hunted a lot, right? Uh-huh. They get poached is what they get. And so they're pretty freaking skittish at 400 yards out. Mm-hmm. So if you just put it on the front of your walking stick, I know this sounds stupid, but it works really good. And you have your 15s above. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it has the silhouette of a deer. So I'm not saying go s- silhouette your whole body, but yeah. as, you're, as you're going over hillsides glassing, all it looks is a deer walking like it's going up over the hill. It's the same so, as the video that we were just talking about. You know, I come over that hill at 60 yards. He's shifted positions and all he can see, he darn near all that was sticking up is a little ball on top of my ball cap, you know, and but the decoy was in front of me. Well, you know, same thing. If you're coming over those terraces and glass and when they look up, they're not going to see your entire body. They're going to see the head of that deer in front of you is, is what they're going to see. Plenty of you need to glass. Yeah. So and that's the thing that, that makes it handy. And again, like. Like I said, for all the amount of money, you know, we piss away on outdoor gear. Um, <laughs> this is one that actually is pretty freaking handy. And, and again, maybe it's only handy one out of five times. Yeah. But it's going to be pretty fucking handy And it doesn't work every time, man. Yeah. I've had customers call me up and they're like, oh, I just, I had three deer run from me, you know. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't. Well, I've shown it to animals before, and they have run. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not a magic bullet or anything like that. But, it, man, when it does work, it's spectacular. And it works a, a, the majority of the time that I've used it. The vast majority, it's worked really well. Yeah. I, the other, the, the turkey thing. Now, I hunt dumb turkeys, which I prefer. I'll just say that right now. I try not to hunt smart turkeys. But I was thinking about you and I last year, how much we could have used that decoy like we're low crawling and two feet deep of snow right trying to get to these you know turkeys and they were flocked up so it was hard to get I mean, yeah you're not talking about one eye you're talking about a hundred right so you know and or even like when we were poking out behind that we kind of had cover and they were in the timber anyway that is a huge uh, i mean it's a big difference because turkeys they may be the smartest dumb animal in the world you know you you think they're dumb and they're they're, then Give they you make my you look stupid. On turkeys, <laughs> okay. There is no such thing as a smart turkey. There are there are scared turkeys and there are petrified turkeys. Okay. <laughs> and the ones in Nebraska that you're referring to, those are just scared turkeys. Well, if you're hunting an eastern in Pennsylvania or in Mississippi, those are petrified turkeys. Ever ever since they were a Jake. Every time somebody gobbled, somebody fired some, you know, some BBs <laughs> over their heads, you know. So, you know, to me, I, you know, I don't think that there's any th- such thing as a smart one. There's just a matter of how scared they are. Well, and I mean, just, I don't know, it way more frequent on turkeys than anything else. You're driving down the road and there's four of them in a wood line feeding right on the edge of a field or something where, you know, you get out and, and, and generally... And, you know, I got the call in my pocket and then you set up and you can get them close. It's shooting the fuckers. It's the problem, right? You can get them in. It's getting the full draw and getting a shot off. And with a stick, it's a little bit worse as far as, you know, getting the shot off. And, and again, with turkeys, one of the things that's cool is you can ground blind hunt in the morning. You can ground blind hunt in the evening and you can use the decoy in the middle of the day. Yeah. Um, and you can use it obviously in the morning and the evening too, but generally they go and they lay up somewhere and they're kind of stuck for the day and they're not as move they don't move as much and one thing in the rolling hills in nebraska more towards down by cabela's where i was at is they would go up in the the rolling hills and bed in the i guess they're pines i guess is what's in there yeah anyway i'm not an arborist but very stockable but getting to full draw is is the biggest problem and that decoy definitely throws them through a loop and i've seen some crazy shit my buddies have done with those decoys where a flock's walking around them and then there's this imaginal force field where they walk and then they pass the decoy and all of a sudden they they start and they're like okay what the hell just happened i mean you know there's a human and it doesn't always work but i can think with you and i last year 
I sure wish I would have had one on my bow, and I did not. And yeah. uh, there were several times. Well, we were, let's start telling hunting stories, but it flooded, right? And yeah. so Jake's just trying to find us, you know, different properties. And the one was someone's basically yard, right? The, and and there, were, there was a corral, and it, we waited for three hours for yeah. them to come. Because they, they're coming every day, so we're, and then it, then they come, right? All of them come down. And you were on one side of this kind of half-assed corral, and I was in the middle of it, wasn't I? Yeah. And they circled all the way down. So he and I are, are both not opposed to flinging some arrows, right? So I'm thinking, they get any closer, I'm going to hear Jake's bow go off because they're heading to you. And the biggest problem I had was exposing myself, right? They were all within 20, 30 yards. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, but... I'm thinking, man, I pop out, one of these 40 sets of eyeballs is going to see me. And I did get a shot off. Yeah. I just think I would have had quite a bit better a shot if it wasn't Snyder poking out behind. I think I was hiding behind a tire. No. Yeah. They come, metal and tires. They were, yeah, they were walking right by you. I, I was waiting for you to shoot. But, yeah, as soon as you move with a turkey, they're yeah. – yeah. yeah. It ain't that easy to hit them anyway. There's not a yeah. lot there. So, And I don't know. I was kind of looking at it. What's the easiest way to mount that thing? With because I haven't looked at that one because it's not that long. How's that? Does that one mount differently? No, it's the same the same enough, thing. Enough yeah, pretty much it, the right? same configuration. And you know, this last year I shot a bird here in Colorado at three yards, and my buddy Jace Bowserman, we hunted the ground blind that morning, yeah. and uh, he ended up taking a big triple bearded stud in the snow in the pine trees. It was beautiful. Um, we got done with that. Went back to the house, grabbed some breakfast, and went to a different spot that was down in the cottonwoods. And we spotted these two birds, the two toms that were uh, working up a creek bed together. Did a big loop around on them. Jay set up like 50 yards back from where I was going to set up, and I went out in front with the stalker on my on on my bow, and basically just got close enough to that creek bed to where they could hear me in there. And so I got up within, you know, got up in position where I wanted to be and just knelt down on my knees and basically started calling. And they come up out of that creek to peek to see, you know, who this is up there. And they see the fan on that decoy. And it's, you know, classic Reaper style turkey hunting, you know. And dude, the next thing you know, those two are in my lap man and i mean they're they are right in front of me and and literally i have a goal and i've been trying to do this for quite some time i have not i have not accomplished it yet lane's laughing over here because he's seen me try to do this for a while it's always funny uh you've always said that you know one turkey is a chicken yeah and two turkeys or two toms i should say yeah is a gang yeah yeah and uh, it's absolutely true i think i know where you're going with this well the, the my goal is to pull off what I call the shish kebab shot. (laughs) I want the broadhead to enter the turkey before the knock is off the string. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's the goal one day. I have not gotten that done yet, but, you know, I – I felt like I was going to make it happen this last year because those two, like Lane's talking about, man, you get two that are paired up, and that's when, you know, a, a, a strutting Tom decoy works its best is because, just like he said, one turkey by itself is a chicken, two is a gang, and they have that gang mentality, and they're going to come in and whoop you, you know? And I thought that the one that I shot was going to do it, but he right at three yards, he kind of flared a little bit. And I'm already at full draw, just sitting there with the pins, all of my pins right there in the middle <laughs> of him, you know. And like when he started to turn and get nervous, I just let him have it right there. But it was, it, it, dude, you take something that is already pretty exciting and you just magnify that, you know, that excitement by like 10 when you do something like that, you know. Yeah. I've got I've got friends that listen to the podcast that that make fun of turkeys and uh, in fact they call it oh yeah they call it it rhymes Turkey with ray snobs. I can't say it I'll get in trouble um <laughs> but the uh, I I've always been one it's something to do in the springtime but two it is I it's no. pretty freaking exciting I I I've always really enjoyed you know turkey hunting and I've shot you know shot them spot and stock and I've shot them on the ground calling and you know and blinds and everything else I don't know if I've ever I don't think I've ever shot one out of a tree stand. They're fun. I have. have. It's not as exciting. Um, Amy last year was probably the funniest at that place where 
so my wife just started hunting, right? She's yeah. basically vegan before. And she um she had shot birds in Texas. Um we went down there and in her first day, we were talking about last night with her mom, there was arrows everywhere. Yeah. And she sent me a photo because I tried to explain her adrenaline. Yeah. You can't explain adrenaline and what it does. So she's arrows all over the place and she she ended up she ended up getting one, but we go to Nebraska and that did you did you see how big that Oh, it was huge. Yeah. 37 pounds. Or maybe it was 20, 27 pounds. Hey, 27, 27, yeah. 27 sounds more it accurate. Was, it's the largest turkey I ever weighed. Or maybe it was 30. I posted it because I weighed it because I got a, a Yeah, a I was thinking it was like 32 or something like that. It was See, like a 30-pound turkey is like Boone and Crockett. Yeah. I, I literally – so I went from not really that worried about these turkeys coming in because I thought, oh, they'll come in. And she's on her phone, and they came around that fence line – to the left mm -hmm. and i'm like put your phone away and uh because it was beard was dragging the ground and it just looked bigger like it just <laughs> looked weird yeah and i'm like put your fucking phone away <laughs> she's like don't yell at me i'm putting my phone away i'm like hurry well i saw how big it was so i was like oh my god shoot this thing so she ended up you know killing it she didn't know you know i ran out and grabbed it and i picked it up i was like I think it's as big as I think it is. Yeah. I was like, Jesus, yeah. this thing's huge. And so I bring it over. She has no, I mean, she doesn't know. And I'm like, this is bit far bigger than any turkey I've ever shot. And I don't know, you know, the beard was probably 10 inches or something, but um, that that beard would, of course, it was full of, what the hell they eating out there? Alfalfa hay? What do they call that shit? Uh, Yeah, they they go out in the those fields where the, where the ranchers feed, feed and then yeah. yeah and then they go back in the trees yeah silage but, piles and things like yeah, that. yeah they go yeah. pick through the yeah yeah they go pick through the they probably had you know whatever 15 pounds of alfalfa hay or oats oat oh hay. yeah well those, yeah. <laughs> yeah well those birds are well fed i mean they, they just i tell you they taste good yeah. Uh, yeah. but when it came back in it looked like just just big fat porker going side to side and you know, she, again, she wants to start doing spot and stock stuff now. Uh -huh. So the turkey thing, I thought, well, you know, at least with you're not blowing out a 200 inch mule deer with a turkey, right? There's they're gonna, you know, there's gonna be more. Yeah. So I was telling her, I was like, we get down to Texas, we'll, we, you know, we'll try it. And the first thing she had asked is, can I put that thingy downstairs you have? <laughs> and I was like, that thingy, and because I've got I've got those hooks and I've got the decoys hanging on those. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't have a turkey. I got to get one from you. I didn't think about it when you were asking me yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, you know, with her, you know, me calling and her just set up, she's smart enough to know when to draw. That'll be super exciting for yeah. her and a good way to get it started off. But, yeah, she was pretty freaking funny hunting turkeys. She So uh, not to detour from the subject, she's extremely hard-headed. She's Italian. And yeah. And it was fucking cold out there. And I texted her and I said, hey – do you want to get in the truck? Because I couldn't feel any part of my body. Yeah. And uh, she said, no, I can make it. Well, I just got out and went and got in the truck. And you went yeah. and got in the truck. Well, oh, I texted dude. her. I just said, I can't take it. I'm getting in the truck. My whole image is just she, well, like the balloon being popped. It was hilarious. She, I knew she wouldn't get in the truck unless I did. She flew across that field <laughs> to get in the truck. I was like, look, there's no shame. If you can't take it, believe me, I'll yeah. if I... If you're in that, and so we sat in there for like 45 minutes with the heater on an hour because it was, yeah, it was cold. But she, you know, she has fun, and it's funny she, she's picking up things that I'm not telling her, you know. So she, when she, because we had that decoy, they were on the valley floor for the goat, yeah. And you know, she she saw Frank popping that decoy up. So in her mind, she's learning this without, you know, like, oh, sure. decoy, oh, that makes sense or whatever. So it, you know, I, I like I said, I think we'll try probably the turkey hunting thing with the decoy a little bit. It'll be good for. Well, it's but. funny you're talking about turkey snobs, and I'm I I know plenty of them, and and to me, anything that talks to you, whether it's a, to, turkeys are just little feathered elk, anything that yells at you, here I come, here I come, here I come, before you can see it, is capable of just melting you. You know, and I've I've seen some pretty accomplished bow hunters. Our buddy Mark Smith, yeah, um, who goes by Muley Slayer, yeah, a long time ago. I'm talking like this had been around 2005. We went. He had never taken a turkey with yeah. a bow, and we were hunting in uh, in Nebraska, and it was one of those deals where we had set up in a ground blind and I was sitting on the right side of the blind to be able to see down the tree line where we had roosted these two toms the night before. 
And so I could see them, and he was back in this corner where he couldn't. And you can hear him gobbling, gobbling, gobbling. As soon as the, the sun came up, they hit the ground, and they start running toward us. And you can hear him gobbling closer, closer. And I am giving him the play-by-play, like, you know, <laughs> 100 yards, 90, 70, get ready. You know, and he's, he's mic'd up. Yeah. And on that video, and I mean, dude, Mark's pretty dang good bow hunter, you know, yeah, has yeah, been for he's a long killed time. killed quite a bit of stuff. Okay. Yeah. This was Mark while I'm giving him the play-by-play. <laughs> and I, I mean, it's it's just amazing to see somebody get that amped up for, you know, this little this little bird, you know. I just, the first time I'd win, I didn't have an opinion either way. I just, whatever, and I... I I can't, well, I'd shot a few mountain birds on accident hunting and, you know, where you can shoot them in the fall, you got a tag and they walked by or whatever, nothing on purpose or whatever. And, uh, the first time we'd went, I'd never hunted with them going crazy. Right. Yeah. I just, and, and we were hunting pretty dumb, you know, birds and I, and I, I could call elk, so I could call, kind of call turkeys, you know, sure. and I, of course I went and bought a box call and a slate call, didn't really know how to use any of them. And like 30 of them come out of the roost and I was like, holy cow. And then we're in a blind and the next thing you know, they're by the blind and I'm winging arrows all over. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? This was that stupid turkey I was making fun of two weeks ago. Yeah. And then the addiction kind of started. So yeah. I've, I've always liked turkey hunting. Well, this year um, we're going to go to Texas, Jake and I and Amy. And then, well, you're about to pop out a kid. So hopefully your wife will go. But That's going to hurt. We're going to go in Nebraska <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, and, and down to uh, into Texas to, to hunt for sure. I've never really focused on the the slam, although I've shot uh, Eastern, uh, Rio, uh, Merriam, but I haven't shot the Aussie. Neither have I. Yes. Yeah. I. I had a guy that was at, down with whitetail hunting that said I you know, had a spot to come down, but there's an – so I don't understand the turkey slams, or I, not, I understand it, but I – What's the ugly one Randy and Denny go shoot in Mexico? Oh, He's yeah. Got shit growing off Oscillated. of Oscillated. Oh, Oscillated. yeah. Oscillated. Oscillated. That is ugly as sin. Um, <laughs> you know, he's yeah. like, man, they're beautiful birds. And he showed me a photo. I'm like, dude, it's got shit growing off. Its face looks like Deadpool or red. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the 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 when I was in Florida where I was at, you know, they obviously they got them down there. But I, um, I just didn't have the ambition. I mean, I get – the turkey slam would be cool, but there's also spring bears to shoot. So oh, you gotta yeah. kind of weigh it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. Bears don't, bears don't float my boat the same way. I, uh, to each their own, you know, I, and I've taken, I've taken bears, but in the spring, I'm usually pretty consumed with turkey hunting. And that's, that's crazy because a lot of people don't understand why someone would want to go sit in the ground blind for 16 hours. <laughs> And shoot a 25-pound turkey when yeah. you could be going hunting bears or whatever it is. But it's like you said, I mean, something that talks and screams at you when it's coming before you even see it. It just gets your blood pumping, make you shake like a leaf. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. My wife's car shopping as we're talking, so I'm, I'm being rude texting. She's, we're going to get her a, a Ford F-150 EcoBoost. Uh-huh. But, and I drive fast, so I, I'm hypocritical but totally off the subject but she drives bad not bad very aggressive driver so we've thinking about it maybe a raptor or the eco boost isn't a good idea so she's looking for a (laughs) six-cylinder tacoma to keep her from getting multiple speeding tickets tickets. yeah so she's going to um going to look at one now the the one thing too uh on these decoys or whatever do you so you just because we jumped right into talking about all these Mounting systems, you've got three different types for the bow or two? Yeah, three different types. Gotcha. Um, there's, a, there's a strap attachment system, one that we call spider wraps, um, that has rubber-coated wire that you can twist on anywhere, basically, and then uh, a quick attach system that, where that stays on your bow, yeah. and you can just push it up. But I actually I do most of my hunting with the strap system. The first one that they came out with—that's the Velcro one, like yeah, I got, it's right? just yeah. three vel, three little hook and loop straps that you—they're real versatile. Because half the time, I'm not putting on my bow; I'm trying to rig it up to my cameraman yeah. on a on a tripod or on a monopod or something like that, and they're you know they're filming through the center of that uh, of that decoy. Yeah, you know, and we're out spotting and stalking like that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then you—it's ultimatepredatorgear.com. Yeah. Um, and that's to say it's Ultimate Predator Gear on Instagram? Yep. 
Ultimate Predator Gear on Instagram. No underscores, all one word? Yep. Gotcha. Yep. And then what all, I kind of went over the, the list or whatever, but go into a little more detail, because I know like you can pop the rack off and on and things like that on the whitetail, but kind of go a little bit more into depth on the, you know, whatever you've got for, for, for you know, in your, your, your gallery, I guess, because I, I listed them, but kind of go over a little more detail with well, that. Well, the only ones that have the removable antlers are the, are the whitetail buck and the, uh, and the muley buck. So you can... If you buy the buck, it comes with the antlers, and if you have the antlers on, of course it's a buck. But when you take those antlers off, it's the same doe decoy that you can that you can buy. Um, and it, you know, I would say when I'm when I'm hunting whitetails anywhere near the rut, I am 95% of the time using the buck, um, unless I have a cameraman with me or something like that then i always put the antlers on him because like we talked about before they're going to concentrate on the one that has the weapon you know and to them the weapon is that is the antlers so they'll they'll be focused on on the buck while you're sitting over here is the doe you know what i mean so anyway the rest of them are oh and then the bull moose he's got antlers that you can take on or off and make him a bull or a cow gotcha and we've got plans for some uh, for some other products down the line that you know we'll talk about at a at a later date. But you know that just uh, uh, some other decoy offerings that we're excited about. We've also got for we were talking about turkey hunting the wind drifter turkey decoys. Have you seen those at all? Um, our wind drifters are just lightweight little three dimensional. Um, uh, decoys that basically drift around any little slight breeze. If you set up three of our wind drifter decoys out there, it looks just like three hens that are sitting there scratching. Huh? Really? Oh, it, yeah. It's yeah, it'd be a lot better than he and I packed in. Oh God, eighty pounds worth of decoys. And, you know, of course, oh, yeah. everybody's yeah. got. All I need is a slate collar one decoy. You guys <laughs> suck. And I'm like, oh well, you've never hunted them early, fuck stick. Because yeah. uh, I spray edit that out. I get a little irritated because I'm like, <laughs> when there's fifty of them. It's hard to get them to, you got to have a pretty large group of them to come over and see what's going on. One decoy generally when they're grouped up that early, yeah. I, and I'm not, you might be able to pull them away. I can't. It didn't no. Like, <laughs> well, and in Nebraska where we're at, they're, they're grouped up for a long time. Even, yeah. I mean. Oh yeah. Some years it'll go, it'll go all the way halfway through the yeah. shotgun season when yep. it comes in, you know, I've seen it. Well, that, that terrain down there makes them flock up yeah. that way. Yeah. Well, I was just, I was laughing because we had six or eight decoys each yeah. in the blind. So we had huge packs. Yeah. And I posted a photo and I, I think when we were in mud, it was wet. And I said, oh, come turkey hunting. They said it'd be fun. And I was amazed at the backs, the back, the quarterbacks. All I need is one decoy and a slate call oh, and I can man. do anything. And I'm yeah. like, well, you're just better than me, I guess. Yeah, I don't <laughs> You're a little smarter. You're a little more ethical. Yeah, no, no you, you shit gold. You invented Velcro, the butter knife. Did a lot of other things too. You, you awarded yourself a gold medal. But I, you know, for for me, and it kind of, you know, as we're making jokes about this, you you know, when you're filling your toolbox up, you can carry a crescent wrench, uh, which will work, kind of. Yeah. Or you can carry a socket set and a crescent wrench and some pliers and a pipe wrench because oh, yeah. each. So. In the case, you know, with the decoy, again, I don't know how many different turkeys we saw that the, the decoy would have been advantageous to have. Yeah. Um, to, you know, lightweight and put it on the bow. And then, you know, there's other times where we've got a pile of decoys. I didn't know you had those wind drifters. That sounds actually pretty interesting. Well, yeah. Like, that's, I think, it doesn't matter how lifelike your decoy is. If it isn't moving, a lot of times they just look at it for a while and then they just wander off. And what, what might what work as well as intermixing those if you do have a big pile is doing standard decoys and those so you yeah. have some moving That's and some That's exactly not, right, so. yeah. Um, if, in that situation, I know what you're talking about, man. You put one or two decoys out there and they they don't care. They're, they're surrounded by 60 of them. But if you put a little flock out there, um, that's a completely different story. You know what I mean? And, hey, Lane, pull those drifters up. That's what I was given. Um, so if you put six of these things out and they're all moving, yeah, you know, they're not the most realistic 
looking decoy on the market. You look at it next to an Avian X and, you know, that Avian X is, or the Dave Smith is a work of art. Yeah. This is not a work of art. Right. It just dances the jig. Yeah. Right? And, and it looks real the mm. way that they move. So you take one of those, you know, you take your, your, your strutter full body mounted from the taxidermist or whatever, and you stick him in the middle of half a dozen of those wind drifters, man. And that looks as real as it gets. That's awesome. Are they are they pretty light? Super I mean, light. Something you Super can Super light. Fold up and like you your could, other You could have carried 50 of those things out there. That I like that. We're going <laughs> to yeah. we you we talk need about that. Your turkey flock. <laughs> we, we need that. That's Yeah. Yeah, you're Well, I had a a 78 100 inch crater backpack <laughs> full of decoys when we went in. It was comical. Yeah. I, I used my uh Muskeg 7000 yeah. for jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've got some terrible uh, internet in sucks, here, yeah. but uh, here in a second, that'll show you kind of how they move around. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I hate to get cut it too short. We've been on over an hour and I got to go to a doctor's appointment, but uh, man, I, I appreciate you uh, hopping on and the friendship and everything else. And uh, definitely we're going to go, we're going to kind of uh, record here at the end of this and go over a giveaway. Um, and we'll just dub that on the beginning of this. Um, okay. Uh, I think it's probably the best way to do it. Otherwise, you know, people yeah, hear what they want. and lost and distracted. Didn't well, I? I start talking about hunting, I get all effed I up. Know, so, but, uh, but yeah, I appreciate you guys coming on. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about how you do with the, the ultimate predator gear, the decoys, because I, I, I really think it's something that, that, that the hunters will, will enjoy and, and be more successful with. So. Yeah, it's it, it, you know, you made an analogy just a minute ago about a, a toolbox. Well, you know, I, I always compare it to uh, – uh, fisherman, you yeah. know, if you got a good bass fisherman, if he is a, uh, a, a jig fisherman or anything else, most bass fishermen catch 90% of their fish off of one type of lure. But that doesn't mean that you don't fill your tackle box with all kinds of different top water baits and everything else. Because when you run into that situation where it calls for it, you got to have it. You know what I mean? This is another tool for the toolbox where when you run into that situation, whether it's high country mule deer or, or you know, antelope hunting or anything else, it's not going to be perfect every single time. But when it when the situation calls for it, it's a light little deal. You can pull out of your pack and have it on there. And really, when it works out, the, the excitement level of that style of hunting is just if you're looking for something next level, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. So, all right, well, you guys have a safe trip back. And again, thanks for coming in. All right, I appreciate it, brother. We'll yep. do it again. Yep.